welcome to the Your Data Driven Podcast. If you like this podcast, be sure to visit our website at yourdatadriven.com for more useful help and advice on setting up your race car, mastering data analysis, and driving faster. Welcome to episode 11. On today's show, I'm talking to Matt Neal, three times British Touring Car Champion. Matt has raced in nearly 700 touring car races professionally. This is an absolutely fascinating conversation where we talk about being a racing driver. So many of Matt's experiences I'm sure you'll be able to relate to. He gives us some great tips and advice on how to manage our weekend, how to manage our driving. I hope you enjoy it, so let's get into it. So welcome, Matt. Hi, uh, Samir. Thank you very much for, for taking the time. Uh, it would be lovely to hear a little bit about you and your story. Um, you're a professional driver for, for those that um, may or may not know who you are around the world. Uh, but really, it, as a result, it would be fascinating to hear some of your experiences over the years. You've been doing it a little while. And um, <laughs> so I think you've, you must have so many good ideas or so many um, thoughts that you could share to really help us as club racers to to improve and, and to think about maybe one or two things that you've thought of over the years of like, yeah, that is, that's really made a difference. And um, I'd never really thought of that before. Yeah, no, no, no problem at all. Yeah. But firstly, though, are you okay? Because I think you had a bit of a bump uh, January time, didn't you, on your, on your uh, bike? I'm all right. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I had a mountain bike. I'm into, I used to be into martial arts a lot. And then I had to sort of knock that on the head. Um, a few years back and I got into cycling mountain biking predominantly with a bunch of guys who are pretty uh, well into it and um, trying to keep up with the, some of them I had a shunt in January where I had um, had a falling out with a tree uh, <laughs> oh, no. and I, I um, broke my one my clavicle in two places my shoulder was a cumulative fracture my scapula was fractured my ribs are fractured, and then which punched and collapsed my lung. Oh my god! So <laughs> it was a, I made a good job of it. But so the collapsed lung with with the old COVID, I've had to be quite careful with. Yeah, um, I bet. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I live out in the country, so I can. As I'm getting back up to speed, I've managed to get back out on my bike and go for a run. And you can you can stay on your own. You know, pretty, you're pretty well isolated out there. So all those years racing cars, and then. It's a tree on a bicycle that's that's hurt you most. You know, something. I started on bikes. That's why I love two wheels. That's my, it's my passion. But two wheels have never been very kind to me. I'm good. At, I love them, but I'm good at falling off them. Um, <laughs> and I've still got I've still got loads of bikes and motorbikes back home. Uh, it's still the, one of the play things for me. Biggest adrenaline rush. Um, but uh, yeah, four wheels where it's happened, and fortunately, I haven't had uh, too many touch wood, too many shunts just yet. It's funny. I used to do uh, back in back in a, a, another life. I was uh, I worked at a, a proving ground called Myra, and we had a uh, like a driver training program there that we would do predominantly for OEMs for the the car manufacturers, so such that you know they would be safe when they were testing the cars. Um, but 
one of the guy, you know, one of the guys who is running the training, he would come back to me, you know, with the latest story of, you know, someone, you know, how, how the day had gone, you know, because it was always an adventure. But he said it was the people who rode bikes and motorbikes that got it the quickest. They seemed to have like a natural affinity or a natural ability just to drive a car better, particularly on the limit. Yeah, it's. I mean, we do a fair bit of Myra, and it sounds all glamorous. You, you'll know this. Being a test driver and all the rest of it sounds fantastic. Same, same as a race driver. Sounds great on paper, but when you see some of the guys at, at Myra and they're having to drive a digger truck in all weather <laughs> in all seasons out there for hours on end in the open air, and you just go, man, I wouldn't do that for all the team in China. And some of the, on the, the bike on the riders on the oval. <laughs> yeah, some of the, some of the bike riders on the oval are when they're having to do pillion. Um, the one time we were there and we were, we were, we were just by the fuel station and this, uh, this bike turns up and it's got a pillion on it. And the pillion is this stunning, uh, young blonde girl. And she's been, a, she's a lap dancer by night. And in the daytime, she'd come do her test riding and she was a professional pillion. So she would strap herself onto the back, go to sleep on the back of this bike while he's doing his four hours around the oval doing endurance testing and, uh, then back off to work at the- at whatever club she was working at in Birmingham on the night. So, yeah, it's all sorts. I tell you what, forget the motor racing conversation. Let's just, this is way more interesting. (laughs) Um, Come on then. Right, so, so, um, you know, you you, you do a bit of driving and you've done pretty well. Tell tell us a bit about your your racing career before we get into the details of of being a racing driver. Okay, um, I've, as a racer, I've concentrated on touring cars as as my formula. Uh, where I've made my name in British touring cars, uh, but I've been around around the block, down to Australia, Africa, Europe, racing around and about there as well. But um, BTC is where I've, I've sort of made my name, where I've been for near 30 years now. So um, I am part wow. of the furniture. I'm one of the old dogs, um, <laughs> one of the old dogs with the old tricks. Because um, you're to- you're quite tall though as well, aren't you? So was was that a big part of deciding to go to the touring cars? Um, practically yes, but no. I I mean I love all forms of motorsport, Formula One and everything. I'm a, I'm a fan of everything. And um, but where I grew up, I just I just wanted to. Oh, if one day I could just race a touring car, that was my that was what rocked my boat because touring cars, unlike some of the other stuff. It's very gladiatorial. The racing's not necessarily pretty all the time, but it's good. It's great for the fans. It's me versus you. Your car might not be as good as mine, but it's get your elbows out. That's what interested me, and that's what excited me um, more than driving a fast car. It was it was the sort of gladiatorial me versus you style of it. So the the frenetic, you know, racing mm. that happens. Yeah, well, you, well you've, done, you've done pretty well over the years and you've got a, a good few rivals, haven't you, um, that have been around for a while as well. A, a Plato comes to mind. And, I've had a few runners, a few of them over the years. Which quite, <laughs> yeah. J- Jason's probably one of the more, you know, better well-known ones, but I've had, I've, had a, I've had a few run-ins with, and we're all friends now. I mean, even Jason phoned me up the other day. We don't trust each other, but we'll speak to each other now. That's, that's all right. Well, that's a, I mean, that does segue into quite an interesting conversation because – even at a club level racing, you're, you see your competitors fairly regularly, but there's always that tension 
a little bit between being friends because you share a common interest and if you weren't competing against each other, you would probably spend a lot of time together at the pub or, or, or doing social stuff. But because you're competing, there's this kind of level of um, it's a sort of, uh, I don't know how to say it, there's a sort of a, an unspoken kind of guardedness that if you're not in my team, there's only, you know, we, we're, we're, we're competitors there, but we have a lot of respect for each other, but equally... We're not going to be best buddies, certainly until, you know, after the race or over over a longer period uh, of time. Is that something you found? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there's I've got some great friends in in racing and and stuff, but I, I, there's a lot of them I wouldn't trust as soon as they put the helmet on. You know, Tim Harvey once said to me when I was getting into it, he said, you know, make friends and and be friends with everybody in motorsport, but never trust them too much because one day they'll they'll take you out. Um, and it's true. Like and Tim is 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 a really good friend of mine, um, in and out of racing. Um, but if I get on a track, I don't trust him. You know, you've just got, I respect him, but it's just that um, you know level of what they will go to because I think in some of the junior race series you can you can have one, two, five, six, whatever, really really sharp people um, who can intimidate the rest of the grid when you get up to sort of the higher groups, people have won in all the championships. So you get a group of the whole grids alpha males um, and they'll, they'll pull your eye. That's what shocked me when I got into touring cars that they'll pull your eyes out just for, just for not to be last. Um, you know, no one wants to be it. So that you're going to fight whichever end of the grid you qualify, you've got to fight on your hands. Yeah. So that's, that's a, that's a really good point. When you say trust, what, what do you mean? Well, there's there's different levels of trust. There's there's drivers you trust. Um, um, you'll drive alongside. You'll drive around the outside, and you know you'll they'll they'll give you slack. And there's because there's you know in touring cars there's the professional foul is in abundance. And there's other drivers you like Jason. I know even though I get on with him now, I know if I go around the outside of him, he will put me off. Um, fact, like I would probably. Do- I'd probably do it to him <laughs> and I've done to other people. That's just the name of the game. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's a bit of a dog-eat-dog environment you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things about club racing, which is which is different, is that, uh, you, yeah, maybe you've got less alpha males, and I'll, but also it's it's a hobby, you know. It should be fun. I mean, people do take it terribly seriously, though. So I, there's there's an element of that, but hopefully it may be a dial down a notch or two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have gone back and done some club stuff and I've gone back and I, I didn't get the historic side for ages, for years, and people were trying to get me to go and look at the historic side. And then I finally went and I went, I got invited to Goodwood Revival and I went there and I walked through the gate and I looked and I went, I now get it because it was just a magical experience. And anyone who hasn't been to the Revival, you need to go, but going just on from that is, you know, the touring car world is a lot of people are there and it's crocodile smiles. So they'll, as soon as your back's turned, they will stab you in the back on or off the track. It's, it's, it's all about winning for your sponsors, for your manufacturers, for your team, for everything. Um, when I went back and did some historic racing and a bit of club racing with the synchro guys from Honda, people would smile at you. And, you know, if you wanted to borrow something, people would lend it you. And it was just, I realized why I fell in love with the sport all those years ago, because it still existed in that form. And I've been so long in, you know, the form where it's, it's really quite vicious that I'd sort of, 
I'd gone through points where I fell out of love with or lost contact with that side of the sport. And it was, it was lovely to get me a real shot in the arm, um, you know, and re- made me realize how lucky I am to be where I am and doing what I'm doing. The, the, the historic stuff, I, I 100% agree. There's a, a very good friend of mine who races um, uh, an escort, historic escort. And uh, we were at the members meeting um, last year or, well, and we were meant to be this year. Wouldn't have been this year. No, no, exactly. Uh, Sort of last year, which year do you mean? But the cold one, it was like one degree. It was absolutely freezing. Sounds about right. But it was was really lovely because um, the event was a shared event. So we had, you know, my my friend who was driving, but he had a famous professional driver in with him. Can't remember who it was, but it was one of your colleagues in the touring cars. But everyone was really enjoying it, and it was very serious, and people were out to win. But it was just that element of love for the the, the sport was um, was really obvious. So uh, I, I love the historic stuff. Yeah, first first time I got, I got asked to test, uh, it was a Sunbeam Liston Mom Sunbeam Tiger at Goodwood, and I went, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll go and do it. And then I remember being being there, and obviously they just run one tire for wet or dry. And it started yeah. to grizzle, uh, and on the run down to Woodcut, the you know the final big corner, and this thing wanted to go in the. It was damp, and it, this thing wanted to go anyway, except in a straight line. And I, I thought to myself, "What am I doing here? What am I? Do- Why am I in this car? Why am I? What just? What am I doing?" And then I looked across out the window at about 150 mile an hour, and there was a Spitfire coming in to land on the runway next to me. And I go. That's what I'm doing here. How cool is that? So. How cool is that? Exactly. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, and they do like going sideways, those cars as well. I think um, that is part of it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose because I, in the last decade or so, I've been used to cars where you, you don't slide. It's, it's yeah. all about grip. And if you're sliding, you're going slower. But, you know, the historic side and the, they, the tires are designed to react the same they did back in the day. Um, they, you know, that's part of the racing. And as soon as you get your head around that, I remember the first time I jumped in a Lotus Cortina at Donington on the short circuit, and there's obviously no dash or data or anything like that. I go out there and I think, well, I'm all right. I, can, I know the circuit. I know the racing and all that. I went out there and I did about five or six laps. I thought, yeah, okay, came in. And they said, yeah, that's fine. You're five seconds off the pace. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> So I went back out there and stuck my thumb in my throat and I got to two seconds off. But then, then I had to really sort of think, oh, how, how are you going to drive? Is this car up to it? And it was. It's just, it's a different way of driving. You've got to take one chip out and put another chip in and, and really sort of get your head around how you're going to do it. You've got to work it out. So that's, that's a really good point because a lot of people club racing as well uh, have that same experience, albeit with without your experience. Like your um, professional experience so i they'll go out and they think right i'm i'm doing really well and they come in and and they're not on the pace and so then then it's a question of well, what what do i do so how did you tackle it you said you put a chip, different chip in but what was it that you you actually did it's something i've got two sons in their early 20s and i've tried to explain it to them and to young drivers um you know because i can go i think that the level of competition now is such at any f- level of motorsport or sp- or sport in general, people know what it takes to win. So people are prepared to do that. And it makes the sport become more specialist, even in different types of touring cars. So a lot of the British touring cars are front wheel drive. 
um, you know, you go down to Australia in the in the V8, you know, the Holden Commodores, where it's rear wheel drive with a, you know, with a locked diff and all this sort of stuff. And a, a lot of us who've gone down there really struggle to get our head around them. I and mean, it's not because we're idiots or we don't know how to drive. It's it's the different discipline, and the disciplines become so specialist. This is why you can get someone out of Formula One, and they're obviously they're at the pinnacle of the sport in its entirety. They come to touring cars and they'll struggle the nuts off. Dario Franchitti went from blitzing IndyCar and Champ Car and all that. He put him in a NASCAR. He couldn't get off the back of the grid. And he, you know, you you speak to Dario now, and he, he hated every second of it. Just couldn't wait to get out of him. Uh, it's it's the level of the sport. Any sport, I think, is just so specialist now. You've you've got to understand it. And I always say you've got to. Um, try and come out and you've got a, a lot of that is figuring out if you haven't got data which you haven't in a lot of these cars and the older cars and club cars it's literally you've got to sit down and think hard it's something i've said to my boys it's it's not about going out and having f- it is about going out and having fun because i've said that to them they want them to enjoy the experience but you've you've got to work at it otherwise everyone would be doing it yeah i mean how do you how have you used data in the past Data is, I think, it's a magical thing. It's, it's an evil thing now. Now I'm old and I've got the experience um, because now if you fart in there, they know <laughs> what, what volume it is. Um, everything about you, if you're from the time you get in the car to the time you get out, um, everything is recorded. So young drivers coming in, it's very easy for them to fast track up levels because it's monkey see monkey do they they go out there and they'll they'll drive it like a video game or whatever and then as long as they don't put it in the wall they can come in if they can if they're two seconds off the pace they go right you've got to break five meters later there you've got to carry another 2k on your apex speed there you've got to this that and the other and you know they can just go out get a bit closer read the data again oh no you're still a meter later there or meter you're breaking too late there it's, it literally is you can be monkey see monkey do and where the strengths of the older drivers, the more experienced drivers, is becomes in developing a car, making it as fast as possible. Because often, you know, and I've been guilty of this, you make a car nice to drive, not fast to drive. And that's something I've tried to install to younger drivers as well. You know, you've got to look where the car is never going to be perfect at every corner of every lap of a circuit. So you've got to make it as quick as you can. And You've got to sacrifice certain corners and you've got to work out what time you make up in what sectors of the of the track and and focus on those areas and those strengths. Does that sound confusing? You, do you understand that? No, no, absolutely. I, I'm just fascinated to to listen. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer, so that's sort of natural for me um, to hear. But but I think for some people listening, that will be news. So, so. Brands Hatch Indie, <laughs> which a lot of people know, Mm. I always say you've got to have it so it's scary as hell. You can just hang on to it through Paddock Bend, turn one. <laughs> because then it pays you back everywhere else around the circle. Is that, is that scary as hell as in um, loose? loose. Uh, as in, yeah, or, 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 or scary as hell because you're not going to turn in? Uh, no, loose. Um, yeah. If it's pushy, if it's understeering, that's safe. Uh, and there's certain tracks you want, you know, a bit more push and everything, but. I always think you've, you've got to have it as loose as you can hold on to the rear. Um, and in, in touring cars, we use a, the rear steering a lot. Um, so we tune the car with, which is 
we're not allowed electronics, so it's done on a bump steer system. As the car rolls, it'll it'll steer, um, and you've got to have it as much as you can um, live with, literally, um, and then that will pay you back around the because the the rest of the track is quite technical. It's it's slow to mid mid pace really, bar bar the kidney. So I think a lot of uh, paddock wisdom would say that a racing car shouldn't have bump steer and i and and when and when people talk about steering setting up the steering or the geometry they're normally talking about sort of static toe settings rather than what it's doing through bump um but you're saying on the rear you want to have have some some steer going on that's going to give you a bit more uh nervousness maybe around the corner but it's going to pay you back around the you're, you're going to be able to get the benefit of that by having a more agile car perhaps through yeah, the rest it's, of how, it's how it works you've got to realize you've and you've got to you, you use the attributes um you know static toe is obviously has a similar effect um but it will be instant uh so you'll get it on more more from when the car's in a straight attitude um and it also it drags you, you you gain drag from it so it'll cost you straight line speed you know with with using the bump steer system then in theory it doesn't cost you as anywhere near as much in drag uh on on the straights got you yeah so so you've looked at um like the data and such like is there anything you do so that's sort of the engineering the car side but is there anything you look at I mean, you sort of touched on it with these these kids kind of coming through, and they can they can do it. But is there anything you've done with the data that you'd think, well, if I was on my own and I did have a bit of data, what was the first thing you would look at? Um, I mean, one thing I got to Ricard Rydell always used to he used to be a fanatic for using um, uh, the data can work out your corner exit speed. So at, at a given point where it, the the G lessens it will give you a point where you're exiting that corner and it would record and he'd have it displayed on his dash exit speed of that corner. And if it's 2K, 1K, half a K, if he, as long as you can maximize, you uh, work out because half a K exiting the corner ex- up, you're half a K extra going, you know, okay, it'll, it'll peel off with, with arrow, but it's, uh, you know, you're half a K carrying down the first half of the straight extra. So it's, it's, it's free time you're going to gain. Um, I always, I, I find really useful the, the C time, which modern data loggers and, you know, the dashes we have, and that's, uh, why, why, why C time? I mean, it's, it's a comparison. So you, you program in your quickest lap or a lot of them, they, they record the quickest lap and then you compare your, you can split it into sectors and you can compare. So the dashes we've got, it will, it's live. So it's literally as you literally you, you can scrub a little bit of speed get a little bit sideways coming out of corner you can see the time disappearing down the straight or gaining <laughs> the other okay, way around yeah. <laughs> very frustrating, um or very rewarding so you know well, i've done that right so you can record that in your head um and one of the things i've really been um avid on is making notes every time i've gone to a test day a race day a race weekend or whatever Every time out in the car, I will make notes of what it's doing, why it's doing it, what I've done, how I've done things, things we've changed, things that didn't work, things that did work. And then that, that is my bank of information. So anytime I will go back and either drive that car again, 
um, if it's not a car that I drive very often, or I drive that circuit again from year to year, um, I've got a, a pool of information I can go back. Like, I, I took that curb, it worked. I took that curb, it didn't work. You know, and I, I took more of the curb. I took less of the curb. I took the grass, you know, um, just for notable points as well as car points, you know, on, on what you're doing on the, on the track on that day. I mean, is that something, I don't want to sort of call you out on this too much, but is, is that something you actually do? Because a lot of people talk about doing notes like that. And it, it, you, you say it and it just seems, yep, that is the thing to do. But in the heat of the moment, uh, in, in, the, in the practical realities of running at a race weekend, people may or may not, I'm smiling when I say this, put, that, put note taking and, and what they might call administration down on the low on the list. Is that something you've done as a discipline? Yeah, yeah. every time I get in the car, every session, because we'll have a debrief after each session, um, and I'll sit there with my laptop, and um, it's something I've badgered when when Gordon came into the team. He didn't do it, and now Dan Dan's into it, and Dan's very good with it. But And then what we do is we exchange. I'll leave at the end of the weekend, um, or the you know the following days, I'll email that to my engineer, but copied to to Dan now, Dan Kamish, and his engineer, team manager, so everybody knows. And I'll put my things I thought were positive with. I don't just use it for that. I, I put things on there that I think were positive with the weekend and think, I, you know, gripes I had over the weekend and why and and so forth, just so it's it's everything's down there, everything's remembered and, you know, it's documented. Do you use like a track map or something to help you with sort of specifying different parts? Uh, I have done with, with circuits I, I don't know or when I used to when I was younger conversing with engineers, they'd use a track map and you, you, you write your notes on a track map. I've done that. Now I just write, I write, um, I write just a document where I'll, I'll go specifically through different attributes of the car, the brakes, what we were doing on the brakes, how we were running the brakes, the engine, the transmission, the diffs, the starts, you know, uh, general handling through the sessions. And then I will go through it corner by corner as well. What, what was happening in each corner, how we were taking each corner, what was, what was good, what was bad. So again, you know, you've, you've got an understanding of, and then I'll read my notes from the last time we went to the circuit next time I go there. So you've got, you've, you know, you're walking in with your, your eyes a bit open. Do you think, do you do things like track walks and stuff if you get the chance beforehand or do you know the tracks well enough now that it's not really something you'd do? Again, I'm, I'm a bit lazy with the British tracks um, because you know a lot of them. If there's something changed, I will go and walk it. Um, I went back to Bathurst, not, this year was it? I think it was. That's quite a long year. walk, that one. Yeah, last year. <laughs> I walked and because I haven't been to Bathurst in ten years. We went and did a track walk, and that is quite a long track walk. You don't realise how steep the hills hills are there as well. They call it yeah. the mountain for a reason. Um, yeah, even on your bike, you're going to struggle up that one. Yeah, you know they say the Aussies are, are all um, you know a bit maverick. They are so anal now on the health and safety and that. You go and do a track walk, you've got to wear all high-vis clothing and everything. I mean, I, I said, what's oh. this? Last time I came to Australia, it was nothing like this. But, um, yeah, but they'll, you'll go with your engineers and you'll be discussing stuff with your engineers all the way around. And so it's just, just to refresh your memory and it's a good habit to get into. That must be a nice track to drive. I've, I mean, I've done it on a, you know, on, on a simulator, but I haven't done it for real. It must be an amazing track. Yeah, it's 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 something you've got to go either by spectating or um or um you know or driving. It's 
I always say there's two two probably favorite circuits in the world, which a lot of drivers, they are my favorites. And one's Bathurst and the other one's the Nordschleife, Nürburgring. And people ask why. And they said, because they're the most scary. And and by scary, I mean, they're the most, if you do well, they're the most rewarding to do well on. Um, yeah. Because they are pretty intimidating. You make a mistake and, you know, you're in the wall or you're you're in the trees. So it's, um, but those are, those are probably two two choice ones. Have we, have we done many laps around the North Slide? Because, uh, I mean, again, in a, in a former life, I, I used to work at Aston Martin and, uh, and we were, we had a base out there, um, where we were developing. Uh, so I did the suspension for DB9 and, uh, V8 Vantage years ago. And we had a, a, a setup at the North Slide and it was for handling, ride and handling, but it was also very good for brake development and stuff like that because it's really harsh on the brakes, particularly for a road car. But the guys that I, again, who were there, the test drivers, they were like, you know, it takes like a hundred laps, they reckoned, to, to know the track. I mean, what, what do you think about that? How, have you done it? Have you done that, buddy? <laughs> uh, well, um, have I done a hundred? I'm not sure. I've done two 24 hour races, um, around there, one with, with a private BMW and then one with Nissan Motorsport, um, in a skyline. Um, nice. Yeah. Both, both times the cars broke. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a different experience, and I've been back down there a few times on just on the Grand Prix circuit. But you've, whenever you go there, you've got you've got to pay your thirteen euros or whatever you you pay, and, <laughs> and go and have a razz around, don't you? And just have a because it, you know, half the fun is just showing people what it is, and it, it is eye opening. I got taken around there the first time by a instructor, George Faber, years ago, and um, I was terrified. I was going to say, when you go around with someone who knows it, you're like, what are you doing? You're mad. Oh, no, no, actually, you're not. You know, so there's crests and curves and everything oh. looks the same. How do you know where you are? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> when the cars are off the ground and unweighted and everything, there was this, there was a factory, this Japanese driver who's, who drove for Nissan um, in this car with me, and there was four of us in there. It was a Wolf Sierra Cosworth, so decked out with four bucket seats, you know, nice. racing seats. As my teammate in the front, a guy called Soames Langton, who's no longer with us, and in the front, and then me and this Jap in the back, and this this Jap, we get sort of oh, only twenty percent of the way into the lap, and it's like you've put on that Japanese endurance program. He just starts screaming, which I was terrified. <laughs> I'm laughing my head off because he's screaming so much and wailing, and think of every corner we went around. <laughs> He's pressing the eject button. Where's the big red stop button? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, fantastic. One, one, one last thought I had for you. Um, and this is probably again something that that is a long distance pass for you. But this is about managing your pre-race nerves and getting yourself kind of in in the zone because, particularly, um, yeah, there's a lot going on before a race, and then suddenly. The light goes out, and you and you've got the beeration driver, and it's it takes you know there's a there's a, a switch, a mental switch that you have to like be on it. Is there anything that you do that people would find helpful in terms of you know, people get really nervous? You know, the the tension builds up, and one of the things about circuit racing is that they're not one after the other. They're like you know, there's long long gaps between them, and for you to get even more nervous. So so how how do you manage your nerves if if you get nervous at all? I, I do still get nervous and not for the, for the race per se, because I've done a few races now, <laughs> you know, you. the nerves are because you don't want to make a mistake. And I think I, I've always tried to say to people that the line you walk between 
looking a genius and looking an idiot is very fine. Um, and especially when there's other influences on you. So I, I'm, I'm annoyingly superstitious, right? Annoyingly. Um, and you get yourself into your safe place. You have to sort of work out how to get into your safe place. When I, I started in motocross, and I can remember I'd sit on the line for motocross, and I had this, this sequence I'd go through um, of I'd check the brake levers. And, you know, you sat there waiting you know, to go and check the fuel was on, check the choke was off. Just, and I'd do it, and as soon as I'd finished it, I'd start doing it again. And I just keep going through this sequence, even though, and it annoyed me that I knew I'd done it, and I'd keep on had to. But that was my safe place. In in sort of four wheel motorsport, I've um, yeah, I have to get up a certain way. I have to get eat a certain way in the breakfast. I have to get dressed a certain way, get in the car a certain way, and then I've got this. But that puts me in my safe place um, to come back with some of the nerves. In previous years, what I I used to sleep between races, and as long as there's someone's there to wake you up, and um, you know, or you got an alarm you can set, I found that was the best way to refresh my batteries. You know, uh, reset the start button and keep clear headed. Um, but I mean, on you know, I will go to a point where I will keep on going through my routines right till the point where you. You start the green flag lap, then you go into no thinking mode. You just go into habit, uh, get your tires warm, get your brakes warm, get your diff warm, you know, making sure everything's there. And then you just go into, you go into the site. What I'm doing is I'm, I'm sat on the grid. I'm going through every, I'm trying to sort of close my eyes and wherever I am on the grid, I try and think through what could be the potential outcome of the good start. What's the outcome of that bad start? What's the outcome of that? If he goes to the outside, and what am I going to do? If he goes to the inside, what am I going to do? Try and think of every scenario. So when you arrive at the first corner, good start, bad start, average one or whatever, you've got, you've got a method half figured out. So you've almost you've pre-thought it again. Um, and then with the BTC card, there's, at the moment, to get them, I always say the hardest thing is to get one off the line. You know, there's a, it's a 10-stage process you've got to do to get them off the line. And there's still some variables in it. So you get into a point where you sort of start focusing on that focus on things that are important and things that can be important. I, I find those help me. Um, and I always think that little few nerves, the butterflies, I think they're healthy because they mean you care and that means you want it. So I always think if I'm ever not nervous, I think that's when I'm ever going to have a, not have a good result. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a good point to say on that one. I mean, some nerves are, uh, are really, really important. It's fascinating to hear actually about, how you've approached that. And I think that will come as relief, I imagine, to many people listening because you put a lot of pressure on yourself, particularly before the race, to you know to make sure you just get everything going to even get into the race. And ironically, when you get through those first couple of corners, you, you can almost relax into it, you know? Um, <laughs> it becomes a lot easier. Oh, yeah, you just go into just not thinking mode. You're just, the concentration is so high. You just you just get on with the job in hand, so the nerves go very quickly. Thank you very much. It's been absolutely fascinating to hear um, about how you've approached that. I think people listening will be really good. How, where can people um, you know reach you and and your team online if they if they're not familiar with you? Um, normal social media, so um, uh, Twitter. Um, um, 
Matt Neal Racing, Instagram, um, Facebook, all the rest of it, or, or Team Dynamics Motorsport, on, they're all on the so, different social media channels. Any, any of them, they can sort of grab us on and you know, good. We get plenty of message on there, good and bad, after some race week. <laughs> so, it's some, of the, some of the sledging is quite entertaining. I mean, you've got to, that's one of the other things. You know, some things do happen, but you're never going to please everybody. And you always get supporters for people who you're racing against. So, the other bit of advice: don't take everything to heart because there's always people, you know, going for the other guys. You know, voting for the other guys, and they're not afraid to express themselves. And social media and that is a it's a wonderful thing, but it's an evil thing as well because they have direct access straight to you. So you just got to um, be cool and, you know, figure out that you're not going to please everyone every day of the week. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really lovely way to, to, to think, you know, to, 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 uh, to summarize, because at the end of the day, you're, you're doing it to, you know, you're just doing your best, aren't you? And um, that's, that's all you can do. And, um, there's different levels. You, obviously, you're competing professionally, um, club races, but competing for fun. But we still want to win and do the best. And sometimes it's going to work, and, and sometimes you're going to struggle. And, and the decisions you make in the heat at the moment are um, are difficult sometimes, and and equally what other people do too. So, you know, people listening, that you know, they do struggle with nerves, and they do struggle with dealing with. Uh, um, friends in the paddock and they do you know struggle with like well how do i how do i find that time that these other guys have put on you know on the leaderboard they're just looking at the times going i just don't understand where there's three or four seconds a lap to come from and they go out and there's two choices you either go like super analytical maybe like rydell <laughs> or, or, or you go heroic which is slow as well so mm, to have yeah. some structure to how to improve is I think really valuable to people. You just gotta be disciplined with it and just, you know. And so wanna but the other thing I've said to my boys, I said you've got to want it, you've got to be disciplined with yourself, you've got to be hungry, but you've got to enjoy it. You've got to enjoy the ride because, you know, Carl Fogarty said to me years ago that every race he did and every championship he won, he never enjoyed one because as soon as he won one or won a championship, he was always worried about the next one. I could really relate to that. So it's something yeah. I've, I've always tried to, you know, it's later on in my life I'm thinking, man, you've got to enjoy the ride as well. Yeah. I, 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 you couldn't have said it better. And um, I hope you get to do some more historics. If I see you in the paddock, I'll come and say hello. Please do, um, yeah. Please do. The, um, the escort went pretty well last time. Um, and uh, unfortunately, uh, it was run by a very, very close friend of mine who used to look after my car, and sadly, he's, he's passed away um, in the last few months. So, oh, um, we'll be we'll be out with um, with his son, and um, hopefully, they don't give me the spanners because I'm not that good with them. <laughs> I can get a driver changed, but that was about it. But um, yeah, if we see you around a little bit, you know, I'll come and say hi. Great, cheers, Samir. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. No worries, anytime. Okay, bye for now. Thanks, mate. Bye bye. Well, what do you think about that? How great to have Matt on the show. His experience in touring cars is unrivaled, but yet he's still facing challenges that you and I as a club racer would consider that a professional wouldn't have to worry about. I really hope that those insights and those suggestions will help you in your racing as well. 
If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit us at yourdatadriven.com. Thank you.